Welcome to episode 11 of From the Front Porch. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf in Thomasville, Georgia. Today, I'm joined by my fellow Bookshelf staffers, manager Rebecca and communications specialist Sydney. We're talking about The Girl on the Train, a new suspense novel everyone's referring to as the next Gone Girl. Let's get started. Hey, girls. Hello. <laughs> How exciting to have three people on the podcast. I know it's it. Fun. <laughs> I hope it works out and we don't talk over each other and interrupt each other. Well, we do that all the time. <laughs> It'll be nice for everybody to get used to our different voices. So say who you are so people can identify who you are. I am Sydney. I'm Rebecca. Hopefully we all sound different enough. Um, we get confused <laughs> as sisters a lot in the store, so hopefully you can tell the difference in our voices. Um, so today we're talking about The Girl on the Train, which is a book that we all read when it came out about um, at the beginning of the year, I guess, so about three weeks ago, yeah. four weeks ago. Um, and bookseller perk, we all kind of read it before the release date, so we were all pretty excited. Um, Rebecca, why don't you tell me your initial thoughts about the book, and then we're going to dive into some specific things, I think. Well, first of all, I thought it was just, it, it was an excellent and engaging read, um, kind of from some unique perspectives, too, and uh, I, the, the wait for it to actually be published so we could recommend it to customers was agonizing, because I think I finished it, um, like, a week before it was published, yeah. and that week was the longest week of my life. Well, and I kept getting antsy. <laughs> I kept putting it on the shelf, and I think some, Sydney was like, it's not been released yet, and I kept, <laughs> because I, I kept putting on my staff recommendations shelf, I had read about the girl on the train through I think book page or something like that yeah yeah they had done an interview with Paula Hawkins the author and um so I read the interview and I thought oh I want to read this and so I took it with me maybe New Year's Eve and I read it in the car ride to Jordan's parents house and I was done it was so like you said engaging a definite if people are looking for a page turner Mm -hmm. this is it what did you think Sydney about the book just in general It was good. Definitely a page-turner, a book that you actually stay up all dang night reading. (laughs) I stayed up entirely too late when I was reading this book, but that's okay. Rebecca recommended it. So Annie recommended it to Rebecca. Rebecca recommended it to me, and therefore we have all read it. But it was was good. I'm not going to lie. I preferred Gone Girl. Mm Mm-hmm. I am one of those, but it was wonderful. It's very different, though, than Gone Girl. Yeah, it is different from Gone Girl. I guess I compare it to Gone Girl because customers are always coming coming in looking for something fast-paced, yes. surprising. Very surprising. Um, and I definitely think this fills that goal. We are going to try to talk spoiler-free. So if you haven't read The Girl on the Train, don't worry. We're not going to spoil it for you. Um, we really just wanted to talk um, about some different aspects of the novel. So... Um, the basic premise of the book, and now it's been a month since I read it, so help me out here. <laughs> um, but the basic premise of the book, we're introduced immediately to Rachel, who serves as the first of three narrators. Um, she kind of takes this commuter train, I don't know, from her small town to London every day. Mm-hmm. So it takes place overseas. Paula Hawkins, the author, is from England. Um, and she takes this commuter train and she watches the houses and the people as they pass by and she kind of becomes i won't say obsessed but intrigued by this couple that's at one of the stops i guess uh, like you know when the train is um sitting still in a station like she sees this couple in their house and she nicknames them in her mind Jess and Jason and i guess they're kind of her ideal couple 
And immediately I was hooked because Jordan makes fun of me that I, like when we go on walks and stuff, I want to see inside people's houses. Mm -hmm. Not creepily, but I want to see how their house is decorated. I want to know, are they sitting down to dinner together at the table? What television show are they watching? Jordan thinks this is absurd. He thinks it's creepy. I was talking to my friend, um, Rachel, and she felt the same way as me. So I don't know if this is a woman thing Maybe or... Maybe it is because like my sister and I do that. Like when we pass another vehicle and they have like, you can tell they have a little screen in the car. Yeah. I'm always curious about well, what are they watching? Yeah, don't want to know. Usually nine times out of ten it's a kid's movie. Yeah. Um, or but like, I love trying to guess. I think that's The funny. other day yes. my sister and I were sitting um, at Alpesh, a little French cafe in Tallahassee and um, there was a gentleman sitting there talking and he just he had a fantastic accent so it's it's a small place and it wasn't very hard to eavesdrop so we did yeah and then my sister and I were talking you know oh, I wonder why he's here he's obviously from overseas and we kind of postulated that he was potentially a sports coach with FSU um, because that seemed to make the most sense and uh, sure enough just by eavesdropping we caught a few words and we were we were right see and don't you feel don't you just feel immediately gratified? I don't yes. know. And and when Jordan and I take walks, I'm always looking. This is going to sound creepy too, but like I'm always looking for potential friends. And I'm like, okay, whose house is decorated like mine, or who who looks like they have similar tastes, or oh, I love them because they have books on their shelves. Like I just love looking into people's houses. So when Rachel is introduced, and you know from the beginning that she's not really spying on these people, she just happens to be sitting in her train, and there's nothing else to do, and so she's watching out her window. And seeing this couple, and she makes up stories about them, which I also really love and found completely relatable. Because I do that. My imagination just naturally, I don't even try, it just naturally comes up with, what is that person doing? And I do it in airports, I do it in restaurants. Jordan gets on to me because we'll be in the middle of a discussion at a restaurant, and all of a sudden he says, I get this look on my face. (laughs) And he can tell I've completely tuned out, and I'm now listening to the conversation of the table behind us or beside us. Like, I've completely (laughs) lost interest. Well, it's it's fascinating, and I think part of it is we as women look for points of connection just in daily life, and so that natural um, attraction to connecting with other people translates to observing strangers. Yeah, and Jordan, and I will say for all of his, how, you know, all of his teasing, sometimes we will be at a restaurant, and there's this movie, um, we we love this movie, uh, Steve Carell and Tina Fey Date Night. Have you seen yes. it? Oh, it's so funny. To me, it's so funny. So anyway, we've, uh, and I think, is it date night where they watch couples and they try to figure out how yes. long they've been together or like Steve and Tina are on their date night and they've been married many years and um, they like to observe other couples and see, oh, they're sitting on the same side of the booth. They've only been dating six months or, <laughs> you know, whatever. And Jordan and I don't do that, but we do sometimes when we're watching people kind of guess, ooh, what are they doing here? Or we make up conversations for them. And I think that's so fun. And so Jordan, for all his teasing, still participates in that. So I think there is a part of us that just likes to observe and create stories. I don't know. And so I really, I felt for Rachel at the very beginning because I was like, oh, she, I relate to her. I feel, I feel like I have been where she is. Um, until Rachel sees something uh, happen between Jason and Jess and she kind of has to come to terms with 
does she now tell people that she's been watching these people <laughs> from her train? Um, and does she come forward? And that's where Rachel kind of goes from reliable narrator to unreliable narrator, to me anyway. Um, at first, she seems fairly normal, maybe just down and out, and then you realize some things about her. She's got issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, were ta- we were talking before recording, and we decided she's not Amy Dunn crazy. No. Because Amy Dunn from Gone Girl is, in Rebecca's words, a psychopath. Um, <laughs> but she is. She does have issues. She and she's got some things that we realize as her reader that she's not even telling us the full truth. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I found that to be really well done. Um, so anyway, she sees this incident happen on the train, and the story kind of goes from there. What happens when she tries to come forward and tell what she saw, and does it help? And Anyway, the story kind of spirals on from there. And I think that's the basic premise of the book. But one of the things we wanted to talk about was, aside from Rachel, there are two other female narrators. Um, Megan, who is Jess. So in the couple, Jason and Jess, that um, Rachel has kind of invented, we discovered that their names are not Jason and Jess. (laughs) That was actually really hard for me to adjust to. Yes, I kept on being like, who is this Megan character? Yes, always too. it's Jess. Yeah. I feel like that was really clever because it further integrates you into Rachel's mindset. Yes, you know, for you to kind of yes. for you to get this little bit of a backstory on this couple and you really like this couple as Jason and Jess and then all of a sudden, wait a second, they're they're not yeah. Jason and Jess, like that's not who they are. So you kind of get that feeling um, along with Rachel when, when she discovers that her make believe world isn't real. Yeah, absolutely. So Megan is the other narrator we meet and then the third narrator is Anna. Um, and Anna to me is the very different narrator who I would not have expected her story to be integrated into the novel. Um, Well, she doesn't come in until about halfway through as a narrator. Yeah, and weren't you surprised? I was. I rarely do you see a book that brings in a narrator so late in the game. Um, And it was was, well done though. It didn't feel intrusive. It was uh -uh. like, oh, oh, I like this. Well, this will give me another side of the story because you quickly learn this is a story that has a lot of sides and you need to know all of them. You want all the details. Yeah. Um, So Anna comes into the story a little bit later. Um, do you think having three female narrators was intentional and why? I know, book club question. <laughs> Long pause. <laughs> That's a book club question. Personally, I think it was absolutely intentional. Oh, yeah. I, I think this is very much a thriller written um, for women mm-hmm. by a woman. Not to say that men won't enjoy it, because I think they will, and I think it might offer some interesting and unique perspectives, but it definitely focuses on a woman's role in life mm-hmm. and the different stages that she goes through. And through these three different narrators, we get three very distinctive life stages. Yeah. And it's interesting getting to see kind of um, the motivations behind what they do. They're all actually very similar, but they play out differently because they're in different places in life. So where to, tell us where the three cu- the characters are coming from. Rachel, not, not to give too much away, but I feel like she has... Um, gone through uh, a lot of disappointment and heartbreak and so she's kind of in this place where she's lost happiness and doesn't really know how to get it back Mm -hmm. and she's just kind of floundering in that place. Megan um, she's never really had it. She's Mm -hmm. had all the trappings of a happy life but never felt settled and happy and so she's kind of also searching for this elusive sense of satisfaction um, even though she's in a situation that looks like she should easily be able to find it Mm -hmm. and then Anna 
has everything that she's been looking for, and she's fighting to keep it. Mm, that's so a there's good way to put it. very much this sense of either trying to attain something or trying to keep something. Mm. So they're all they're all very different from each other, but there's like this common thread that links oh, each of the sure. women. Yeah, and I, I thought that was very well done. Sometimes when a book jumps back from narrator to narrator, I find it distracting, but I did not find it distracting at all in this book. Um, I found it pretty compelling, actually, because you're getting the details that you want, because as you read the book, you want more and more information. Um, But then you're also getting different perspectives. And what I loved is it kind of called each narrator into question. You didn't know who was more trustworthy. No Um, idea. And it really, until the very end, I mean, I really didn't know who I was going to be listening to, um, which is why... I did. I do compare it a little bit to Gone Girl um, mm-hmm. because yeah. Gone Girl had those um, two distinct narrators, and you know, in the middle of that book, everything kind of changed, and you finally figured out, oh, someone's not as trustworthy as I thought, and that didn't happen here. It's more gradual. Yes, but this, but this, the different narrators kind of made you second guess. Oh, do I listen to Rachel? Do I listen to Megan? Um, and then you discover maybe you should be listening to all three of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they're, they're not really fighting um, one another through their stories. Um, so, yeah, I loved the different the use of the different narrators and the fact that they were all different voices. And when you said different life stages, I thought, too, they're coming from different um, physical life stages, I guess, because Rachel is single mm-hmm. and Megan is, you know, happily married, supposedly. And then... Um, Anna is married with children with, mm-hmm. or with a child. And so I find that fascinating mm-hmm. because I think I was talking to somebody the other day. Um, and so I'll, Cindy, you just turned 24 yesterday. I did. Happy birthday. All right. Um, and then I will turn 29 in about two weeks. And so I've been thinking about how in your 20s and 30s, age doesn't really matter anymore. And mm-hmm. I don't remember who I was talking to about this, but your age doesn't matter in your friendships, but life stage kind of does. Or at least it kind of affects who you can be friends with or, I don't know. Who you relate to. Who you relate to better, I guess. You can be friends with people of all life stages. And in fact, I think that's the healthiest option. But you certainly are attracted to people who are going through what you've been through or whatever. And so I, I liked that about this book because I do this in my own life where I have different women in different life stages in my life who are telling me, like my friends with children, tell me about what to expect. You know, my friends who are married, we talk about married life. And then my friends who are single, I think I'm able to... You tell me what to expect. Yeah, yeah, you know. (laughs) So I feel like it goes... And that's what this book kind of did. Mm -hmm. uh, To, you know, here Rachel is desperate for things, but then you hear other people's stories and I don't know. So I found that part of their life stages too to be fairly compelling and I... I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, but, um, okay. So when we've talked in the store about this book, we call it, um, you know, the companion novel or, or a new novel for fans of Gone Girl, but we also compare it to Hitchcock. So Cindy, have you seen any Hitchcock movies? I've seen Psycho. Okay. That's it. Did you think this was Hitchcock-like? In the way that in the beginning, like... I mean, it's definitely compelling. Like, it's not boring by any means in the mm-hmm. beginning. You want to learn about all these characters. But there is about halfway through, all of a sudden, the end of each narrator's chapter. 
just it seems like all hell breaks loose and it's like what in the world no I don't want to read this next narrator but you read them and then all hell breaks loose again and then you're like oh no it's very fast paced which is very much Alfred Hitchcock I felt yeah it goes from slow like the slow burn slow burn yeah and then um, cray cray then yeah then it just goes kind of crazy well because the foundation gets laid and like really primes you so that you really know these people or at least think you know these people you know them to the extent that the author wants you to and Alfred Hitchcock did that too she's so good you think she is good (laughs) she's really good and and this is a debut novel right yeah so this is a debut novel what I love I I, as a journalist major or somebody who comes from journalism backgrounds, so she's a journalist, and I kind of love that. And I think that's part of the reason she's such a good yes, doesn't it? Um, Because all of the details and um, observations. uh, So to me, when I read, I found that out in the book page interview, which maybe I'll find a link to and put it in the show notes. Um, But. Yeah, she's a journalist, and immediately I was like, oh, well, that makes complete sense. Yes. Um, Just the details she gives. Like, one of the houses which Rachel passes by, it says, oh, the tan curtains were replaced with baby pink. And then so, you know, obviously they had a baby girl in that house. Mm -hmm. I don't know, just that she doesn't flat out say, oh, there's a child. But Mm -hmm. she just gives you these slight details that make you as the reader figure it out, which I loved. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like there's very much a, a partnership between the the reader and what's been written yes and at the same time you're very skillfully led so you feel like you are personally participating but really you're just going exactly where she wants you to go mentally yes every word is like crafted (laughs) yeah she really for a debut novel this is pretty incredible because gillian flynn she had already written several novels before gone girl well done novels Mm -hmm. um and i think even well you know, critic maybe even critically acclaimed novels, but um, Gone Girl was her break- breakout hit. And I don't know, this hasn't hit the New York, has this hit the New York Times bestseller list yet? Mm-mm. Okay, so I don't know how much success uh, Paula Hawkins will have with the girl on the train, but we certainly are recommending yes. it to <laughs> all <everyone>. the customers <laughs> um, it, because it's a great book. In fact, uh, when summer approaches, so we read this all obviously in January. But the book takes place during the summer, I think. And I thought to myself, ooh, this would make a great beach time read. And not because it's mindless fluff, but because you will sit on the beach and read this for hours because you won't want to put it down. Well, and that's the thing is I feel like it's an excellent book for fans of Gone Girl, but also for people who aren't necessarily looking for a quote-unquote thriller. Mm -hmm. Because while I would definitely classify it as a thriller, it has enough depth and um, like interrelational conflict that I feel like it's going to appeal to a wider audience. Yeah, we had a customer come in and I think we were trying to you know, not sell her on the book, but talk to her about um, The Girl on the Train. And she asked, you know, what would a book club talk about if, if this was the book? And so um, what would, if you were in a book club and The Girl on the Train, you were trying to convince, you know, everybody that The Girl on the Train was the next book, how would you discuss this book in a book club setting? I feel like the characters alone can fill an hour of discussion. <laughs> yeah, oh, the, man. the characters for sure. This is not some mindless... You're right. It's. I mean, I'm it's not, not sure. It's not an event thriller. No, no, and I'm not even sure I would classify it. I, I guess it's thrilling, mm-hmm. um, but I would... Suspense seems more appropriate to me. It's very suspenseful. But the story is so well-crafted, yeah. I don't find it to be... I don't know. I, I find it to be even better than your typical thriller. Maybe it's literary. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Um, 
but yeah, the, so the characters I definitely would talk about in a book club. Oddly, I think Rebecca, you and I started talking to the woman about um, about transportation. Yes, <laughs> um, because p- things like this can't happen in your car. I mean, mm-hmm. you can observe people in a different car from you, but they are in their own little world. But on a train where you're not driving, where you're observing, so I feel like public transportation could be its own separate discussion. Um, because sure enough, you know, there are some people I think who love public transportation. Um, I am one of those. But it, again, I've never lived in a large enough city to use it all the time. But when we travel, I love public transportation. Um, Jordan and I love airports. We love airplanes. Um, and then when we go to big cities, we love taking the subway or the metro. And I think some people that really stresses them out. Um, and then, and so I think there are other people who wouldn't set foot in public transportation, not even for snobbish reasons, but just because it makes them uncomfortable mm-hmm. or, or it's stressful to them. Um, and I think that lends itself to a whole other discussion because we in the South don't have a lot of opportunities for public transportation, um, especially in Thomasville. You certainly right. don't. No. <laughs> Tallahassee, you might get in a cab or you might take the bus. Those options yeah. don't even exist here. Yeah. Uh, a friend and I for New Year's went down to Tallahassee and the celebration was downtown, The sort of the festival that they were doing. But if you wanted to park at Governor Square, you could take a shuttle bus and mm. they would they would take you downtown. Well... I'd literally never done that. Like we're so we're so small town, and we're like all excited about parking at Governor Square and taking a bus like three miles away, going downtown. You know, but it was fun. You yeah, know? and we ended up talking to some people that we would never talk to if right. we hadn't been on a bus. Yeah, and that's the thing, Rachel. When she takes this commuter train every day, not only does she observe these people you know, on a house that she's just watching. She also interacts with a couple different people on the train, which leads um, to some interesting storylines and plot lines. Um, But yeah, so I think that would be, especially in any book club, I think a conversation about transportation would actually be pretty interesting. But in the South especially, um, so even Atlanta has their train um, or their... The MARTA. Yeah, and nobody takes it. I don't know if you have friends in Atlanta, but like my brother is in Atlanta and Jordan's sister is in Atlanta and we talk to them about the MARTA and they're like, nobody takes the MARTA. And I'm like, really? I'm sure people do. (laughs) I'm sure you just don't. Um, And you know, for Atlanta too, and and maybe this is a Southern thing, the city is so spread out. Atlanta is so spread out that the train might not even come to you. The MARTA might not even come to where you live. Um, And I found that to be the case, um, too. Like, Jacksonville doesn't have public transportation in that way. But if you drive around Jacksonville, you would never be able to have a train big enough to cover Jacksonville. Jacksonville's so far spread out. So maybe it's a southern thing, trying trying to talk about public transportation uh, in a world that doesn't really have public transportation. Thomasville certainly doesn't. So I think that would be an interesting book club discussion, especially the woman we were speaking with had um, had been really well-traveled. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, that would be a good conversation to have in your book club um, because this book could only take place on a train. Mm-hmm. It couldn't happen it's in a car. It's a unique car. perspective. Yeah, it's a, it's a really unique perspective. Um, but one of the reviews I read, uh, maybe it was in the New York Times, commented that... Um, they really appreciated the book because they know what it's like to be a commuter. And I thought that was an Mm. interesting... Yeah, I think for those who are used to commuting, it'll feel familiar. And then for those who aren't, it'll kind of open up your mind to some some new ideas and some things you might not have considered before. So I think it translates well on both fronts. So in a book club setting, you talk about characters character development, you'd certainly talk about a couple of the surprises and the twists and turns. I would definitely want to know 
who called it and who didn't. Yes. Yes. And so, okay, we won't spoil anything that happens, but who called it? I called it. Sydney called it. I did not call it. I didn't it. call it. I, I And I'm don't really know. good at that kind of thing, usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's all my years of watching CSI. <laughs> but see, I'm I'm really like I'm like a Criminal Minds fan and a Bones yes. fan, and nine times out of ten, I know exactly who did it. And she caught me by surprise. I was very impressed. I like it. So maybe you're just smarter than me, Sydney. <laughs> no, by no means. Do you think no discovering it or figuring it out led to maybe you not liking it as much as yes i'm a percent like movies if someone spoils a movie for me i will never go and see that movie if you spoil a book for me i will most likely never read that book just because i love the thrill of everything that's why i think i did like gone girl more because in no way did i figure that out (laughs) which was surprising because you not surprising because it's because it's easy to figure out surprising because you did not read gone girl until like four years after it was I didn't either and amazingly I avoided all spoilers as well and I was so grateful because that made the experience so much richer yeah I don't think I don't know that Gone Girl would be as enjoyable if you knew what was gonna happen no it would be terrible so (laughs) this book if you knew what was gonna happen and if you had figured it out would you still enjoy the book I'm looking forward to rereading it I'll say that really I was about to say I think people still will because Paula Hawkins does such a great job of just all the details she gives like I do think I do think I could reread it. I was about to say, I am not a rereader and I I will probably not reread this book. However, I do think if you went into it and let's say we spoil it for you here today, you could still go in and really enjoy it because there's so much to mine from it, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many details and I if you were a rereader, I think it would be fun to go back and figure out the you know, the little hints maybe Mm -hmm. she dropped here and there, the foreshadowing. I'm looking forward to tracking down the foreshadowing and Picking out the misleads, yeah, in in a in a more all the misleads. The first first time you read through it, you don't know which is which. You can't tell, and that's the beauty of it. So I'm I'm looking forward to being able to distinguish the two this time or next time around. That's a really good book. So the girl on the train is a novel by Paula Hawkins. It released a couple of weeks ago, so should be able to find it at your local bookstore or at the library. Um, It's a great book for um, for winter, and even those of you who just are making your list for the year, put this one on um, for at least a summertime read. I think it'd be a good a good beach choice. Um, As usual, if you want to join in the discussion, you can find us online at www.bookshelfthomasville.com. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash bookshelfthomasville. And then we can be found on Twitter and Instagram at bookshelfteville. Thanks so much, you guys, for joining me today. And uh, happy reading, everybody.